Welcome to Engage 360, Denver Seminary's podcast. Join us as we explore the redemptive power of the gospel and the life-changing truth of scripture at work in our culture today. Hi, I'm Don Payne. I'm glad to be your host for Engage 360. You know, redemption has lots of different meanings to different people and in different settings. You can find that as a really popular theme these days in literature and film. All kinds of stories have redemptive themes, redemptive connotations. Uh, one of the older films, It's a Wonderful Life, very redemptive story. Uh, one of the the stories that has been cinematized uh, ad nauseum these days is Les Mis, Les Miserables, very redemptive theme. But redemption has lots of different meanings. It can include underdog makes good stories, uh, silver lining stories, um, evening the scales stories, comeback stories, making up for lost ground stories, uh, making up for lost time stories, all those kinds of things can be considered redemptive. But biblically, redemption may have those implications, but has much thicker meanings. Biblically, redemption does not mean that tragedies unhappen somehow or that the scars and the consequences of sin disappear. But, but when we see redemption played out in Scripture, we see how God rescues and releases us from the power that everything evil has over us. And redemption in that sense is something that only God can do because it's powerful in the middle of the mess, not just powerful outside the mess. Well, as I said, this is Engage 360 from Denver Seminary, and we want to highlight uh, regularly examples of the redemptive power of the gospel. And some of those examples are going to be really direct. Some of those examples are going to be rather unusual and creative. And as such, they'll broaden our vision for how God can use even the most unpredictable activities to work redemptively in people's lives. Well, our guest this week is actually a Denver, a current Denver Seminary student, Justin Reddick. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Don. Yeah, I'm so glad you could be here, and um, on short notice, as it turns out. Now, the reason we've asked Justin to to be here is that Justin has a, what by many standards would be considered a pretty unusual ministry that is, I think, incredibly redemptive. Justin is an artist and works as a chaplain's assistant in the federal penitentiary, uh, or is it the state penitentiary in Colorado in it's Florence? It's the uh, Flor- uh, federal, sir. It is the federal, the federal penitentiary in Florence, Colorado, just outside Canyon City. And as a chaplain's assistant, Justin actually has uh, a ministry of art. Uh, as I, I think I mentioned, Justin is an artist, a very experienced and trained artist, and has developed uh, what I think is one of the most um, interesting forms of artistic ministry that I'm acquainted with. And I'm just excited to have Dustin tell you uh, more about that. So, uh, Justin, first of all, just give us a little bit of your own story and the, uh, the, the backdrop to the ministry you have before we get into that. Sure. Uh, you know, as a child, I didn't necessarily doodle with art any more than the average person. Uh, in fact, I guess looking back, I guess I always had an active imagination, um, but I didn't really draw or paint. Um, and I, I started working at uh, Safeway, of all places, when I was in high school, and that ended up being a 15-year career in uh, retail management. And uh, early on, I had, I guess, what you would call that audible, where I was painting baseboards for a corporate walkthrough. We had some bigwigs coming from uh, California, I think. 
and uh, had a voice I couldn't really d- determine at, at that young age as a young adult um, that told me to go buy some art supplies and start painting your life. Um, and it sounds taboo. It sounds kind of silly. Um, but I now believe that to be the Holy Spirit, you know, convicting moment. Um, looking back, you know, when you start aligning all your breadcrumbs, yeah. you can kind of see all these things aligning as you, uh, as you pursue your, your spirituality. Um, and so I did. I went and bought $70 worth of stuff at a place called Jerry's Artorama in Fort Collins, Colorado, and uh, slowly just introduced myself to uh, creativity. You know, how, how, how can I use a set of tools in a way to communicate not only maybe my hurts, my needs, my desires, but also in a way that may engage others? Um, so I did that for, for a fair amount of time, a couple years, and then I, I got the courage uh, to start taking some art courses along with the core curriculum I was taking at uh, both CSU and eventually um, Front Range Community College. And started to just realize that this was, um, I guess, in a secular mindset, it would be considered, you know, maybe there's some talent or there's some interest, um, but I now know that to be gifting, right? I feel like this was um, the, the unique way that God kind of wired me was uh, to use creativity in the arts to um, glorify God, but but also, uh, just as important, um, walk alongside the needs of others. And, uh, and so I did that. I, I pursued, I guess, first kind of the courage to pursue my own suffering. If that makes sense, so you know, there's there's trauma in everyone's story, and uh, so I guess uh, you know, I, I slowly introduced myself to the arts, and then as a result, started going to to college and pursuing studio courses, and over time, just started to develop my own style, which um, encompassed, I guess, in a way, a visual diary of sorts. You know, I, I would put kind of my needs, my hurts, my desires, all these things in kind of a unique relationship that included um, scribbling, spontaneous. Um, creative spoken word and just mixed media elements. You know, often I would go to paint stores more so than than traditional art stores. Um, and over time, I realized that I really had um, an affinity for people and, and the, act, the art of suffering, if you will. And so, uh, for about ten years, I pursued, alongside my career at Safeway, uh, a career in uh, studio painting, and I showed in many galleries and started started some art collectives in and around Southern Colorado and. Um, just explored what creativity meant to me. Um, I was saved in September of 2010, and as a result, uh, even creatively went through this kind of wilderness point where it was like, okay, you know, by by definition, art is an exploration of self. You know, you typically sit around a round table and you and you talk about life, but you know, ultimately, it comes back to you, and you talk about, you know, what am I doing? What what is my unique stamp? And so, with that, kind of came, you know, I would say a couple years of trying to figure out how do I now use you know, what I believe uh, God gave me to, to pursue and glorify God as much as other people. Um, and so that was an interesting period, and uh, I ended up at the prison. I work at the federal prison in Florence, Colorado, and there we have uh, four different institutions. It's a complex. We have a satellite camp for low offenders. We have a medium institution, uh, United States Penitentiary, which is the highest level of security in the country, but then we also have the Supermax, which is um, the highest level uh, nationwide. It's the only one in existence. So that's where I currently work. Um, and shortly after starting there, I initially took a job in commissary. So I took I took what I knew really well, which was the grocery industry, and I made that leap. And uh, it was a little less fearful. Just further proof that God wastes nothing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so all, all that time painting baseboards at Safeway. Right. Yeah, paid rolls off. Rolls right into the prison ministry. Sure. And I'm thankful for that because it's like, uh, I didn't have to go right into, you know, law enforcement and custody. Uh, I got to go into the grocery side. The clientele was drastically different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they didn't quite understand my parting comments. I remember the first time I, 
I said, I'll see you next week. You know, they, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> it's a parting comment. I'll see yeah. you next week. Um, but, you know, I slowly kind of acclimated to the environment. And, you know, I've always uh, wanted to pursue the Bachelor of Fine Arts, you know, degree that I got and pursue teaching. But I, I've always kind of considered unconventional ways to do that. And so I started um, what I can believe with, with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, just kind of researching um, different programs that may exist both in state prisons as well as federal prisons. And I found a, a slew of uh, state programs all throughout the country, uh, particularly in California, um, that did what we would call art facilitating. You know, So it's not just recreation. It's not just putting uh, art supplies in front of individuals, but it's it's kind of investing. It's investing in people, and so you you find it in art therapy, and you also find it in art facilitating. Um, and I and I realized very quickly that the federal prison system didn't really have anything like that. Um, they had outsourced occasionally, you know, an art therapist, a music therapist, but you mostly saw that in facilities that dealt with mentally ill um, individuals. And so I felt kind of like I had been tasked with this kind of daunting. Um, uh, opportunity to explore what I could do about that. And so it started in an office the size of a mop closet uh, in my commissary where I just, I spent about a year just researching, you know, trying to find as much quantitative and qualitative data on on how art can reduce recidivism um, in individuals. And, and so some of those state programs, uh, particularly one called the Arts and Corrections out of San Quentin and Pelican Bay, which are pretty well-known prisons in the state system, um, they had done several studies throughout the last 30 years that showed as much as a 77% reduction in recidivism rate. So, so individuals that were partaking in uh, these prison programs were not actually reoffending when they got out. They were, they were doing something creative with their life. Yeah, incredible. So that kind of led to me slowly integrating what is now um, the Creative Arts Platform, or CAP is what we call it, just for short. And that's the program I started. And it took, like I said, several years just to get through the red tape, the bureaucracy of just, you know, finding that individual in the hallway. Sir, I just need five minutes of your time. And, you know, really praying for those opportunities early on um, when you're, when you're, you have an idea and that kind of uh, setting, it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to get in front of the right people. So uh, thankfully, over time, just kind of found the allies that I needed. You know, we have uh, several departments that work uh, alongside us now. Uh, we, we have a partner in the Reentry Affairs Department. So a lot of, uh, some, of the, some of the things that we try to focus on for those that are getting out, we, we point in uh, their direction, and they can kind of help uh, orchestrate opportunities for these individuals creatively, uh, things like that. We work with the psychology department, and so I have a staff psychologist that co-leads alongside me in the classroom now. Uh, a seasoned staff psychologist, um, so that's awesome. And then we also have a badge street artist. So we have a guy that comes in that does murals for a living, um, has an incredible testimony in his own right, and mm. he comes in and walks alongside these guys as well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to tell you a little bit more about just the bones of the program today. Yeah. Give us a, a little sense. You've alluded to this, but give us a little sense of the type of art you do. How would you, you classify that or genre that? My personal art? Right. Uh, so my, my work, like I said, I, I've always kind of called them uh, visual diaries. So aesthetically, uh, majority of what I use would be found object and or mixed media. So it's kind of in the vein of abstract um, meets non-objective meets uh, descriptive qualities, if that makes sense. So like I'll, I may have an idea or maybe I have a bad day and I'll start nesting a narrative. You know, So how, how can I creatively uh, pursue that? So I'll try to plant a seed creatively within myself like... It's almost like cloud surfing, you know, sometimes, you know, at this point I've been doing it for over 20 years. So it's like I may have a couple ideas when I go into a studio and I'll have I'll now kind of um, 
sanctify the area, if that makes sense. I'll, I'll have a certain color scheme in mind. I'll know what brushes or materials I want to use, but I won't really have an idea of what the end product's going to look like. So you really rely on kind of an emotional improvisation. You know, you, you definitely kind of rely on the Holy Spirit as well. Um, you, you actively pursue that energy. And uh, I don't do as many narrative paintings now. Um, I do more, mostly live painting in church settings. And so I, I mostly do like mixed media pictures of Jesus and, and uh, various other components of the Bible. Um, I have a portable art ministry called the uh, God Colors Project on the site as well. And so two other Christian guys in Southern Colorado and myself will go uh, in and around the, the community um, doing various workshops. Um, we'll do um, artist retreats and uh, live painting and worship settings. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I tend to paint a little less about, I guess, myself now and, and f- and focus more on God when it comes to my own personal painting. Okay. Now, you fairly recently had uh, or were featured in a Rocky Mountain PBS special. Is that correct? That's correct. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, sir. So part of what we do in the Creative Arts platform is we really focus on community outreach. So again, being a federal prison system, it's very difficult to... um, to get past some of the, the the bureaucracy of it. So we slowly integrated these ideas of showing publicly. And so I first did that at my alma mater at CSU Pueblo. Um, that's where I graduated with my undergrad. And we were able to show in what's called the Curve Wall Gallery. Um, we weren't able to sell any work. We weren't able to identify inmates by name, none of that kind of stuff initially. But what it did is it kind of created a bridge between the prison and the community. And so last year we had what was called the uh, the first annual Color of Hope exhibition and the uh, subtitle was Diminishing Darkness Through Creation. Hmm. And so we had spent um, you know, several years at this point collecting artwork from participants. So by policy, typically inmates can't keep their artwork. You know, If they do anything in, in recreation or any other um, part of the programming corridor, they have to send it home or to a friend or, or something like that just for security purposes. Okay. So what we started doing is we started collecting a, a, a localized private collection. So we were itemizing and cataloging all this artwork in hopes that we could show it to the community. And so we were able to do that successfully last year in The Color of Hope. And as a result, we got a lot of local press out of it, which ultimately got the attention of PBS here. And so in October they came and they, uh, of last year, they came in and filmed uh, at the Fremont Center of the Arts, which is in Canyon City. Um, it's one of the oldest um, nonprofits west of the Mississippi. If you ever get a chance to go to Canyon City, it's the old historic post office, very cool building architecturally. Okay. Um, but anyway, they, they got a hold of it, and they were able to to come in and interview us and um, really kind of captivate uh, what we were doing. And uh, since then, that led to uh, more opportunities for both uh, the inmates as well as us as a department. So. so if somebody's interested in viewing that episode, I assume Rocky Mountain PBS has those archived? Yes, sir. How, you, how would they find that, or what would they look under on the uh, Rocky Mountain PBS website? So you go to Rocky Mountain PBS, and the, uh, the program is called Arts District. And so that's an entirely separate link. So you go into Rocky Mountain PBS, go to Arts District, and they'll have every episode archived. And the episode actually ran March of 2019. They filmed okay. it in October. but Okay. Do you know what it's called, how it's labeled? Color of Hope. Col- I'm sorry, you said that. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Great. And you can also Color of Hope YouTube, Rocky Mountain PBS, and you Great. can find it. So. Great. Now, I think you are going to um, have a gallery here at the seminary. That's Sometime correct. soon. Tell us about that. Yeah, so my uh, my mentor formation director, Dan Snyder, got a hold of me this summer, and uh, we're gonna we're excited. We're going to do something at the uh, Bridge Gallery in the uh, spring of 2020. So it'll be kind of a collective that, that shows kind of um, how I've progressed, I guess. So it'll, it'll include some of those, those diary pieces, those journal pieces I described, 
that had to do with some of my life, and then it's also going to include some of the inmate artwork that currently is being done at the uh, Creative Arts platform, as well as some of my live paintings. So it'll be kind of a retrospective of, um, I guess, the things that I'm involved in and the things that God has me doing. And um, yeah, I'm excited. It'll be really, really, really cool way to uh, um, highlight just walking alongside individuals. I can't wait to see that. You you mentioned some of the research that you had come across about how arts uh, demonstrably reduced recidivism. And that would be, I suppose, across faith backgrounds or no faith backgrounds, just a rather generic um, uh, demonstration of the effectiveness of art uh, in um, however it however it does so reduces recidivism. But I want to push us into thinking uh, at a theological level about this. What Obviously, there's something deeply human about that, regardless of a person's specific or explicit faith commitments. But from your engagement with this and from your own studies and your own reflection, what what is it that is so specifically redemptive about beauty and creating? Sure. So so for me, I guess, like I said, my, uh, my three years so far in seminary have, have been a great opportunity to uh, kind of marry all my explorations and all my experiences with proper theology. So I think uh, you nailed it on the head there, Don, with in terms of proper context. Um, I would say it, it starts in the beginning, you know, Genesis 1, 26, 27, being formed in his image is a, uh, is a great starting point uh, if you're trying to explore creativity, because I, I don't believe creativity is optional. I believe it's a mandate. I believe that God intended for us being formed in his image to explore imaginatively as best as we can um, and, and, and really hold on to that childlike wonder as we pursue our faith. And I think as a church, as we know in church history, the iconoclast and, and just the Reformation, you know, the removal of images, um, we've gone to the extreme in, in, in various parts of our history. But then there's also the, the constant threat of the, uh, the name it and claim it or the new, new Age movement as well. So you've got to find you know, that proper bridge where you can take Scripture, uh, inspired Scripture, or, or God's redemptive story and properly align it with, with the goal of creativity. And I think that's what we do despite the creative arts platform not being necessarily uh, spiritual uh, in, in, in curriculum. Uh, we, we not, not overtly Christian. Overtly Christian, right. correct, because there's, there's over 23 faith groups that are approved in the federal prison system. So on any given class, we'll have um, you know American Indian sitting next to a Muslim, next, next to a Christian, um, next to a pagan. So, I mean, it's, we actively pursue all faiths in that sense. And what we're doing is we're, we're basically fostering an environment where uh, what do we have in common? Well, we're all humans. We're all part of humanity. Right. And uh, creativity and art is such a beautiful way to explore areas where words fail, right? So in a prison environment, particularly a higher-level security that I'm at, these individuals don't like to sit around and talk about their past experiences. Uh, every once in a while, you may have a, a breakthrough in classes like anger management mm-hmm. and psychology-driven classes. Um, but there, there's always a guard. You know, they're always very... Uh, vigilant, and they have to by just the sheer danger that is around them. And so when you take something uh, universal like art, um, slowly start chipping away and trying to recalibrate, like fostering an identity in these individuals through the process, it's really awesome because instead of 
all of a sudden just one race talking to one race. You, you go out in the halls and you see these guys inter- integrating and talking amongst themselves, and that's just unheard of at that level. So at the very core, like I said, I think under, under proper context and, and uh, the proper community and the proper courage, you can really um, pursue creativity um, for the sake of God. And even in environments like that, I mean, it's at the core for me, it's, it's you know, what did I do for the least of these? You know, what did I do? Um, for the marginalized, I feel like how you treat the marginalized, how you treat the marginalized, so lies your heart. You know? Yeah. And so, um, loving your neighbor has been a huge, uh, huge uh, inspiration for me. I mean, it's we're all called to do it, and um, it's very trying in that environment at times to do that with conviction and with uh, with realness. And um, I'm constantly reminded of God's grace and God's sovereignty, and uh, I'm feel blessed to be in such an environment. Well, one thing you said a minute ago really grabbed my attention. Um, because we share this this humanity um, and we're all living with this, this um, created design to create, to imagine, to envision, that that seems to touch a person's humanity uh, by by slipping underneath the explicit level of, of what we think about ourselves or what we may even think about God, but it's able to sort of subversively get into our humanness in ways that we might not even be aware that it's there. And so when you, when you talked about inmates who will resist talking directly about their past or their problems, right. but somehow by indirection, creativity will open them. I, I, just, I find that fascinating. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we've had, uh, well, there's there's the term shot callers, you know, in prison, and these are guys that uh, that have a lot of uh, power on the yard, the prison yard. We've had guys with that kind of influence just completely break down, completely strip themselves of that uh, quote unquote persona, and talk about you know past abuse as a child and and talk about trauma that they've experienced. You know, and our curriculum doesn't necessarily specify that. We 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 probe and engage them to to actively pursue, um, you know, parts of themselves, but we were not that deliberate. You know, that's, that's kind of down the hall in the psychology department and um, other areas like sociology and, and things like that that the prison offers. But you're right. You know, the, the fact that we all have this commonality, we all have this thing in common, uh, and if we can just talk to each other. And I work at an all-male prison, so I can say the term, I guess. I mean, I'm all about inclusive, but in, the, in this setting, it's, it's man-to-man. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking to individuals. And at the end of the day, you're you're trying to foster and nurture that side of humanity. Uh, I'm not there to judge what they're in there for. Um, we're dealing again with the, uh, I guess, society or the secular side of, of life would call the most volatile individuals in the in the federal system or housed where, where I work. And uh, we look beyond all that, and we just, uh, for lack of a better phrase, try to love on them the best we can within uh, this creative context. Yeah. So we'll yeah. teach them about art history. We'll teach them about individuals within art history. And inadvertently, they'll kind of project their own history into the assignments. Yeah, yeah. And then slowly, uh, if they want to pursue additional phases of the program, they can kind of learn how to uh, forge an identity in the creative industry. So that's where the reentry and uh, our hope for uh, recidivism reduction in our own program uh, kind of lies. Is you know we're teaching individuals how to how to create a proper portfolio, how to write a proper artist statement. And now through these Color of Hope opportunities, they're getting an opportunity to actually have their work in galleries. And so um, talking about being able to re- re-energize or re-foster this part of them, you know, they're used to just being known as a register number. Right. 
this uh, this summer we had the second annual Color Hope exhibition, and as a, a result of kind of all the uh, momentum that we had going into the year, we were able to, for the first time ever, uh, show pictures of the participants. We were able to sell some of the art. Uh, and half of the proceeds went back to nonprofits and uh, some of the local charities, while the other half went back to the inmates. So it was a, it was a great energizer for these guys and a motivator, um, and what we would call, I guess, a, an incentive for uh, for some of the participants coming coming forward. You know, we have a waiting list currently of of inmates that want to take the course, and so we were just excited to see um, just how far we've come. You know, these guys are are, are doing awesome things, and uh, the ADX is kind of the focal point right now. So we had two featured artists. And one of them, he was the first uh, inmate to ever paint on canvas mm. in the 25-year history of the ADX. So it required kind of an intense inventory. Every other day I had to go and inventory about 70 pieces of art supplies uh, to make sure they weren't getting shuffled around the unit, yeah. sold off, things like that. Um, but uh, it was an, an incredible opportunity. Um, these guys are serving life sentences, these guys that were featured as the, the main artists. And to see them get so excited about... Um, doing something positive, something they could call home about, and um, we, we really get jazzed about it. Well, I think one of the big takeaways in all of this, among many, is uh, the, the power of uh, kind of indirect redemptive effort. That you know, as, as evangelicals, I, I, if I can broad brush here, I think we're often kind of trapped in this, um, this model of, uh, of direct approaches, that feeling like we're not doing anything substantial unless we're just hitting a problem head on. And through the creative arts, you've, you've learned how to come alongside in an indirect manner and open the territory for really wonderful, deeply human things to happen. And, and I suppose even for uh, a new level of openness to the reality of God and perhaps the gospel in a more direct way. That's right. I think that part of that comes from, my, I guess, my direct experiences behind the fence, but also just my time here at seminary. You know, just about every class um, that we that we that I've currently approached in my three years has um, helped prepare me for it. The missiological mission classes, the TM courses, um, they've been just wonderful. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned is cultural engagement. You know, you mentioned inadvertent attempts at witnessing. You know, we had uh, Andy Stanley here last year, and something that he said stuck to me uh, ever since, which was. You know, most of the world knows who Jesus is. Now, how are we going to get their attention? You know, how, what do we do with that information? And so it's not to undercut kind of the Jesus revolution and, and the Billy Grahams, you know, that are currently on this timeline that is the redemptive story of God. But, you know, most people know who he is, and we've got to find a way to walk, um, not conform, but walk, you know, confidently through the world. And I think that there's, you know, all kinds of different creative genres where individuals are you know, maybe they're an actor that is Christian, not a Christian actor, or, right. they're, or they're a uh, they're a rock band that is Christian, not a Christian rock band. Nothing wrong with the latter, but it's like I feel I feel like we do have to get creative, and we do have to look at ways to inadvertently uh, walk alongside humanity. And I think the creative industries is probably leading uh, leading the pack there. Well, I hope that this this will be a really stimulating example for lots of listeners. Uh, to give them a, a vision for how God can can work redemptively through w- whatever they do that that might not seem to register on the direct scale. That's that, right. That's, that's why I'm so excited about what you're doing. Well, I appreciate that, Don. I think uh, if anything, like I said, just kind of how you've encountered God in your life, you know, it matters. And I think for me, it took courage to kind of look at some of the some of the things that I experienced as a child. Um, my mom was in a car accident when I was young. That really kind of 
redefined what our life was going to look like. And so uh, art was where I placed that stuff. You know, for all those years that I was painting before I started the prison, um, that's how I encountered, I guess, suffering. And I think Jesus really likes to meet meet people in those places. And uh, a prison is definitely a place uh, where there's unfortunately a lot of suffering. So, yeah. yeah, I, ho- I hope individuals uh, can get inspired and kind of look with fresh eyes or imaginative eyes, as, as Dr. Heim would say, mm-hmm. um, and with childlike wonder at, at, at their testimony and, and maybe look for opportunities uh, to, to marry both their gifting with you know, proper context and theology and, and mm-hmm. cultural engagement. I didn't set you up for this, but do you have ready at hand maybe one quick story you could tell us to capture all of this and arrest our imagination? In terms of like inmate participants, yeah, or? yeah. What's what kind of uh, what have you seen happen as uh, in a person's life as a result of this? Well, we had one individual. His name was Michael Lehman, and I can I can publicly kind of mention his name because he uh, he was actually uh, given access to a uh, local reporter out of the uh, Colorado Springs Independent um, last year. You know, he came into the program. A, a lot of individuals um, they'll come into the program expecting to learn more about artistic ability you know, quote-unquote talent. Because in a prison, you know, the better you can draw, the more money you could potentially make. You know, I can do pictures of your, your parents. I can do pictures of your family. You know, the, the, the tighter hand you have, so to speak, the more the more clout you may have. And we kind of break them of that in phase one. We'll, we'll teach them all about individuals throughout art history that have um, challenged conformity and, and normalcy. And so he came in with a very illustrator quality in his artwork, and he left with an, with an entire portfolio that was just vividly colorful and, and beautiful abstractions. And uh, he was a uh, born-again Christian, and he was uh, looking forward to a release date, and it was exciting to see him progressively uh, mature as both an artist and a Christian um, for about a year. He, he worked under there. He was almost like an artist in resident by the time he left. Um, but he did a lot of um, very captivating work that ended up in that Color Hope exhibition, and as a result, the the warden uh, rewarded him with uh, a very rare interview with the public. So that's out there through uh, the Colorado Springs Independent, and he's also quoted in the PBS special as well. So uh, we see a lot of that, whether they're Christian or not. We see this this ability um, to where, where God opens up opportunities. We had a, a recent participant that just graduated last week, in fact, that did this kind of, his final project is always an open content. You know, we, we, we give them eight weeks worth of curriculum, and then we ask them to do an open content piece to for their practical assignment for the last piece. And he did this kind of sea creature, and he was like, he wasn't happy with it. He didn't like how it turned out, but then he started to explain it, and he said, you know, this is kind of like me. I was at the bottom of the ocean and uh, scurrying around, and I don't quite look human. I don't look quite right, but he had this kind of mystifying color coming out of the, the water, and he says, but through this program, I kind of have... I have color in my life now. I have hope, and you know the the artist Matt that uh, is the muralist. He was like, man, that's that's Cap. That's what we do. He was like, that's exactly man. You're, that's a beautiful story. And so you just see organic moments like that time and time again, where they come in thinking one thing and they leave with a piece of humanity that may or may not have, you know, it, maybe it's a restoration, maybe it's it's something they never were given an opportunity. You know, some of these guys serving time, they never got off their block. They never, yeah. and they never had a shot. So, you know, as, as we know, Paul says it's a race, but it's, it's, it's supposed to be, you know, self-paced in that sense. And we've got many people, you know, cheering them on. And I think that, uh, you know, snippets of, of humanity, like you said, that aren't as direct as we may see sometimes in examples. Um, these are great opportunities just to, just to love on humanity and love on people. Yeah, yeah. That'll keep you going for a long time, won't it? You go a, little, yeah. go a long ways on a little bit of that. That's right. 
That is that is great stuff. Justin, um, if somebody wants to know a little bit more about this, other than what you've already mentioned, like the Rocky Mountain PBS special or the uh, the article in the Colorado Springs Independent, uh, any other resources, kind of accessible resources you would recommend to people to learn more about this kind of thing? Sure. Um, well, in terms of what, what we're doing, we're considered a localized prison program. Um, I'm currently actually pursuing um, through an, an elective in TM, how to properly align the intellectual rights to the thing. So, I mean, I, I currently don't have a website or a social media page directly associated with the creative arts platform, um, but you can definitely get a hold of me through email. If you, if you want to volunteer, there's, like I said, we're involved with the, uh, the reentry program, and uh, it's just a, a, basically a background check, and we can get you in for one-day workshops or if you want to be... Uh, more involved and you and you you live in and around the southern colorado area you know we're trying to build an interdisciplinary team right now um, so that we can sustain it and we can potentially multiply and vet it nationally but we're in that we're in that five-year mark right now where we're trying to figure out exactly how to do that okay now we we have listeners around the country some even around the world but uh, if a if a person is uh, in another location but is interested in maybe venturing out in this direction and Mm -hmm. and trying to get access for this or a similar type of ministry with uh, a local detention facility, what would be their first steps? Well, in my research and my background with, uh, with art facilitating, they kind of exist in four realms. So if you're a good-hearted Samaritan that wants to kind of uh, start somewhere, you, you typically find yourself in juvenile facilities uh, or low-offending uh, state facilities uh, because majority of volunteers really can't get past that level of security um, just because, you, you know, they're very interested in keeping your safety at the forefront. So you could definitely get in touch with at-risk youth or uh, juvenile facilities, and, you know, chances are there's um, a need for volunteers. Then there's state-funded programs, like the ones I've talked about out of California, that um, have a tendency to have a, a state budget, right? So California, Michigan, um, there's a program here in uh, DU as well, here in uh, Colorado. So you'll also see bridges where institutions, you know, like DU is one that's that's close, that is involved um, in uh, state programming as well. So they kind of exist in those three realms. And then there's also internal programs like myself, where we're actually um, a localized program inside the prison. So just kind of proper uh, research, the AIC, which is the Arts and Corrections, is where I started. You know, I just Google searched you know, programs and prisons. Um, and then there's a lot of stuff out of Florida State University as well. Uh, one of my colleagues, his name is Dr. David Gussick, and he's the uh, head of the art department at Florida State University. And he works with the Florida Panhandle, where they go in and his art therapy uh, master students go in and they do all kinds of stuff. So he was a great resource for me as well. Um, but there's there's quite a bit out there, both on social media as well as uh, in and around kind of just different parts of the country. Uh, I, I believe just like art is kind of slowly making its way back into the church. We're seeing uh, art facilitating, making its way into uh, juvenile and state facilities and federal prisons. Great. Okay. So artists out there, let's, uh, let's get it going. Okay. Let's get going and use, uh, use that art for God's uh, redemptive purposes, as well as for the beautification of the world. Justin, thanks. Yeah. Justin Reddick, MDiv student at Denver Seminary. We're uh, so grateful for this time and for his work and for what we're able to learn from that. We're grateful to you for um, tuning in with us and spending a little bit of time with Engage 360 from Denver Seminary. I'm Don Payne, and we hope to talk to you again next week. Take care.